This is Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 562, and the quote of the day is, the only constant is change. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers, music industry professionals, and thought leaders. Inspiration, education, and motivation for drumming, and beyond, and beyond, and beyond. Hey, hey, what's going on, everybody? Nick Ruffini here, episode 500. And 62 of the Drummer's Resource Podcast. And every time I say those numbers, it amazes me that we're at 562 and people are still listening, honestly. So uh, I appreciate you being here. And if you dig the podcast, please do me a favor, leave a rating, leave a review. That helps people know that, hey, you should be listening to this episode. And uh, I hope you're well. I hope your family's well. I hope that you're staying safe and staying sane during this crazy time. And I'm not big on... I'm not big on timely uh, podcasts because I know that some people go back and listen to these, you know, year after year. Uh, and so I'm, I usually don't talk about, talk about current events, but this conversation is with my friends, Matthew Kraus and Zach Albetta, and they're from the Working Drummer podcast. And I've already done two roundtable discussions with them before. So every year we get to sit down and kind of see where things are going. And we've talked about career pivots and, and you know, adding a different element to to what we're doing as our in our career or changing what we're doing. And Matt was coming off the road and now he's doing more, he's trying to do more session work and things like that. So it's always an interesting conversation to see the progression of where things are going. And now in in light of all the stuff that's happening with COVID-19 about how everyone is adjusting and maybe this will offer you some insight as well, not only for now and like, but also, you know, when they quote unquote flip the light switch back on and, and everything is back to quote unquote normal, I don't think it's going to go right back to normal. So I think we may be in, in this for the long haul. So maybe this conversation can spark some interest. Maybe it'll, it'll motivate you to do something, uh, do something differently than you're doing right now. Uh, think of new ways to approach things and stuff like that. So uh, that's why we had this conversation and I think it's a great one before we get into it. I want to let you know that my friends at dream symbols are still rocking and rolling and they still make amazing symbols and you can get them at a price. I know money is tight right now, but if you need symbols, if you're doing session work or, or, you know, you just need some new symbols, I recommend checking them out because you can get amazing sounding symbols and they're not going to break the bank. Check them out. Go to dream symbols. Dot com. And with that, let's get into it with this roundtable discussion with my friends Matt and Zach. Nick, I think uh, you and I both posted uh, about the, the Music Cares COVID relief fund, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, talk I, about that for a second. And I don't know... I don't know that much about it. I know that that uh, the Recording Academy and Music Hairs both put up a million dollars into this fund, which sounds like a lot of money. Two million dollars, you're like, oh, that's a lot of money. But when you start to, you know, dispensing that to or dispersing that, I should say, to however many people, I don't know how much it's. I don't. I don't know how much it is. You know, for each person or how much how much pe- people get for it. But you basically have to apply for it, and if you qualify for financial assistance. Uh, then, then they will help you with that. Uh, the interesting thing too, is if any, you know, if you're an employee, you could ask your employer, if you're not working, if they can officially lay you off Mm. so that you can collect unemployment. If you, not, if you're a 1090, like if you're a 1099 employee, uh, a freelancer, like most of us are, then, then you can't get unemployment, unfortunately. 
Um, right. But if you have a job, even if it was a part-time job as a as a bartender or something like that, or the band that you were playing with uh, pays you as an employee, like you get a paycheck, your taxes are already taken out and all that kind of stuff. Right. You can absolutely file for unemployment. Um, so I would that's imagine just, that's the that's case for some. I, I would imagine that's the case for some people who teach as well. Yeah. Um, and the yeah. teaching I do is all 1099 stuff, so it's not doesn't apply to me. But I, I'm sure that some schools, some places have people um, on staff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, I mean, you know, as you guys know, my family owns a restaurant, and and my brother just laid off everyone at the restaurant. Oh, Jesus. I mean, they're closed, and so so he's like, I laid everyone off so that they can go collect unemployment, and then when we open back up, I'll rehire everyone. But I don't want them to be sitting there, you know, without any money for for God knows how long. So, right. So if, um, we'll, we'll put up a link to the, uh, the music cares COVID relief thing. Um, but in the meantime, if you just, uh, Google like music cares COVID relief fund, I'm mm -hmm. sure you'll find your way. And like Nick said, there's, you know, there's an application process. I think they're going to be, uh, awarding like 500 to $1,000 chunks to people. Mm -hmm. Um, you have to, you have to show documentation that your gigs have been canceled. You have to provide, you know, your, your mortgage amount or your rent that you're paying. Like you mm -hmm. kind of have to demonstrate that you really need this the other, a couple of hoops to jump through, but it's definitely there. The other thing to keep in mind is that if you, if you're a teacher and you, if you have an LLC set up of any, any sort, uh, which I recommend that you do anyway, if you're a teacher or if you, you know, if you're a gigging musician or anything like that, because you can write off all of your taxes and there's some other, there's some other tax shelters that you can, that you can take advantage of. So you're not paying as much personal income tax. That's a conversation for another day. But, uh, but if you do have an LLC, the, the, the small business centers across the country are also offering loans at very low interest rates. Uh, like recovery loan. So I don't know exactly what the interest rates are, but they're not, I mean, they're extremely low. The Fed lowered the interest rate to zero, which means money is really cheap right now. But small business, all the small business development centers across the country are helping people, helping small businesses make it through this time. So there, there's disaster relief funds, or they call it disaster relief, but, but, uh, but typically it's reserved for if you lose your business in a hurricane or something like that but they're they're qualifying this as a, as a disaster so you can apply for disaster relief or economic relief of some sort same deal as music cares you have to apply you have to prove you know the situation that you're in but if you're if you own a a school where you're where you normally have 20 or 30 students and you've run that as an LLC and that LLC is now you know, not functioning because of this, this current situation, I would recommend that you go to the S just go to, you can just Google SBDC small business development center, and then your state, and then see whatever, whatever, uh, relief funds they're, they're offering to people. Cool. I'm wondering about, I'm wondering about United way as well. We have United way of greater Nashville that is doing a COVID-19 response. Uh, there's been a lot of local businesses, uh, especially the tourist, uh, industry mm -hmm. is putting a lot of money into the entertainment district. Uh, I know that Nashville is not unique in, uh, it, but I think just with its entertainment industry and it being such a destination for tourists, uh, it's, you know, definitely putting a, a lot of stock into recovering, trying to make sure that that recovers is such a big part of our, uh, you know, 
economy here. Right. right. And you guys are just coming off the fucking tornado. Uh, yeah. Which, <laughs> um, Matt, do you know of any, um, like Nashville specific organizations or websites that Nashville musicians can uh, go U- to? Unitedwaynashville.org. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'll, I'll send you a link to that. Uh, there's been, you know, Bill Frist is a huge, Dr. Bill Frist is a big entrepreneur here. Um, my, I'm trying to get it here. My phone's messing up. Um, he's the chair of this organization. They're starting with a million dollars of the Nashville convention and visitors corporation has made a donation of $500,000. So, um, I'll send you that link that you can post as well. Uh, I know we, uh, at least working drummer, I know we have, well, and, and with drummers resources, of course, we have a lot of, uh, musicians, uh, in this area that, uh, listen to what we do yeah. you know I also, I also had um somebody post and we were already planning on doing it but we've had some success in my household contacting our uh mortgage some yeah. other some other people uh and some, some bills uh, a credit card a uh, an old school loan and they have started to put in place programs that allow you to suspend without penalty um, one, two, and up to three months. Now with our mortgage, for example, we've decided to go ahead and do that and we can continue to pay as much as we can. And if we can pay the full amount, like right now over the next couple of weeks, you know, I, in the foreseeable future, I think we're fine, but it's, you just, we just never know. There's just yeah. so much we don't know. So we're going to pay as much as we can, but if for some reason we have to take a month off, we've got that ability and they've granted us that permission without that's that's great advice and i know uh, a couple of weeks ago matt you were talking about refinancing your house um yes. and now like we we are looking into that now because interest rates are like close to zero or at zero so anyone out there who owns a home can significantly reduce their overhead by by refinancing right now it seems like a weird time to do it but not um, only if you refinance your house you'll it'll save your overhead because your interest rate's going to go down, your monthly payment's going to go down, but then you get a cash out as well. So you could get, you may right. get a check for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 grand, depending on how much, you know, how much equity you have in your house. Yeah. Right. The problem, the problem we're having with that right now is that a lot of these companies are so, they're just, it's just hard to get information to, to compile all the paperwork to get this done because mm-hmm. we're just not getting the response from some of these, uh, we're, we're kind of, we're, we've kind of stalled in the process, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. I want to mention a a couple other, uh, relief fund type things, um, that I've been seeing on the, the interwebs. One is called the sweet relief fund. I think it's similar to the music cares thing, just a national fund that you can apply for. You kind of have to prove need there. Um, I know the, the LA musicians union is working on something like this. So any LA area musicians who are part of that union, um, look into that. Um, and I've also seen, excuse me, I've also seen, um, some, some city based, like city government based funds set up, uh, for example, in Boston, I think the, the municipal government in Boston, um, you know, at the behest of 
you know, the artist community there kind of set up a, a small relief fund for Boston area musicians and artists who are out of work. So you can you can look into that if your city is doing something like that. You can, uh, you know, apply for it or ask about it. If your city is not doing something like that, um, you can lobby your elected officials um, to to do that. And, you know, most of them obviously have kind of bigger fish to fry right now. But <laughs> um, I mean, it, it worked in Boston. I think the artist community in Boston uh, just kind of organized and mobilized and, and their local government responded. So nice. there that is. Nice. Nice. What was the last gig you played? <laughs> <laughs> well, mine was Saturday night and it was jam packed and there were tons of people dressed up celebrating uh, St. Patrick's Day early. And it was kind of scary. Yeah. And then we had uh, a couple gigs uh, scheduled for Monday that uh, got called off. But uh, the, the the people I was working with did a live stream, and it was very successful. Nice. And we're planning another one for Saturday. And um, that is that has been a good way for people to stay busy, especially those in Nashville that work locally, maybe do the lower Broadway thing that mm -hmm. are used to playing three, four, five days a week uh, and expect that income. Uh, a friend of mine recommended a, uh, a website called stageit.com mm -hmm. that's been around for a long time and uh, lots of artists all over the map. Uh, notable artists, established artists, and uh, up-and-coming artists have been using stageit.com for many years, but I have a feeling that this is going to be kind of the new platform, and uh, oh, that's going to be one of the platforms along with uh, you know Facebook Live or whatever, but people are, uh, you know, with, with Venmo and, and Cash App and all these other things like that, people are finding creative ways to get paid for their live work. Mm -hmm. It's cool with Stage It too because that you can sell tickets, you can set the ticket price, whatever you want it to be. Uh, you can't make it free, which we're going through this right now with Rhett Miller, who's a, who we produce this podcast, so he's he's doing um, some live shows from his house, just solo shows. And you can't make the tickets free. The cheapest you can make them is 50 cents, but they have to buy $5 worth of, they call them notes, so it's basically like credits. Um, but it's cool though. I mean, you know, you can, if you're a drummer, you can do a clinic and say, Hey, I'm going to do a clinic from my studio and it's going to be 10 bucks per person. And you come in and, and we'll, you know, we'll do it up. We'll do it live as they say. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. cool. That's cool. Um, I played uh Friday night, uh, and we, like, we all pretty much knew it was going to be the last gig for a while and mm -hmm. the you know the crowd was really light uh you know just because of the circumstances um but it it was it was actually kind of cool like i was playing with this uh this shakespeare and jazz project um that this gig that matt actually hooked me up with an old friend of his from college this guy daniel kelly great pianist um put this project together using shakespeare text to to use for jazz songs hmm. um so we did the we we did like a week-long run kind of in and around nashville and the last the last one was friday night and um it was a really cool vibe it was weird but it was a cool vibe because like both the band and the audience knew that like this is probably going to be it for a while yeah um mm -hmm. so we all we all kind of took 
full advantage uh, spiritually. Nice. <laughs> you know, I think uh, that people are going to remember how much they uh, they love live music too. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think so. Uh, I think so. You guys want to hey, know the last gig I played? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, before you tell us, uh, sure. could, Zach, can we talk about uh, my finder's fee? Uh, <laughs> I was worried about it before, but I am now. No, I'm <laughs> I think there's I think there's some payment in uh, just shoot him over your Venmo info and well he right. he made us a very wonderful dinner that was great so there you go. that suffices for sure cool yeah he is he is quite the chef tell you what man yeah it was fun we'll do the next round table uh, in person and he can cook for us I like it that would yeah well it'll be just like chewing sounds the whole time <laughs> <laughs> Zach you and I can have a cook off oh man. It's going yeah. down. Yeah, it's going yeah, down. that'd be great. I, I'll uh, I'll judge. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually not that. I can just I can cook Italian food. That's about it. That's all I got. Uh, that, uh, yeah, well, that works. That's, that's enough. Yeah, that's <laughs> yes, please, please. Yeah, it's it's like yeah. saying all I all I can do is two and four, but that that's enough. That'll man. work. <laughs> That'll get you paid. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. You know, Nick, I am curious though. I was I was interested in our conversation today because you had posted not too long ago. Just a, a really cool thing, like, hey, I took some time off mm-hmm. uh, from playing. I needed a, I needed a break. I need to kind of hit the reset button. Yeah, and and it's okay to do that. And we've had this conversation in this roundtable before, kind of how pride gets in the way of doing what's right for yourself. Yeah, for your family. Yeah, and uh, it, you did that, and you're like, I'm I'm feeling this. I'm feeling this love for the drums again, and I'm ready to get back in it. Man, it's amazing. And then this shit happens. <laughs> yeah. Which is actually, it's kind of, I, this is going to sound uh, inappropriate, but it's sort of like a blessing in disguise for mm-hmm. me, like in terms of, in terms of practicing. So like I haven't, I haven't played a gig since 2018, right? I haven't sat behind the drum set and play, I haven't played the drums in a year, literally, mm-hmm. like not sat behind the drum set. I have a practice pad in my, in my, uh, in my office here that I, you know, that I'll get 20 minutes here in or 20 minutes there, but like almost had, had, I was just disinterested in playing. I had no desire to play out. I had no desire to practice any, I was just like, I was, I was getting burned out a little bit. And, uh, the interesting thing is because I feel like my passions were elsewhere, like building drummers resource. And then I started that other company. I started revoice. So I was like, really into that and i and i still am very very much into it and we're like expanding into sports which is super exciting for me um and i don't know what happened like i just started listening to some old music that i used to listen to and and all of a sudden like the fire is back and i'm shedding a lot more i got my drum set up i started taking lessons again I'm like, mm. I pulled out all my old notebooks and I'm like going through, you know, all the stuff that I was practicing years ago. And, and it's like, it's like riding a bike. It's like, a, it, you know, it, it's that thing, you know, I mentioned on that Instagram post that you had mentioned, like when you love something, even though the passion may dip away for a little while, when you come back, it's still there for you. And it's all in, mm-hmm. and, and, and I feel like I got back behind the kid and it was like, it was like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm still here for you. You know, I, I know you stepped away for a little while and I feel more creative and, and I feel just a lot more excited about, about playing in general. And I think one of the keys was I've, I, I had a conversation with Billy Martin a long time ago from Modesky Martin and Wood. And, and he's the one that sort of gave me the permission, as weird as it sounds, to like 
go, you can do other things. You don't have to just be drums, 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 drums. Like, you know, Zach, mm-hmm. we were talking about you with cooking, right? Like, right. So you can be interested in other things. And coincidentally, I had a conversation with Billy the other day and uh, and I kind of got to the bottom of where where that uh, – where that sort of disdain came from. And I was in my own band that I started. And I was in that band for 15 years and we toured all over the country. And I loved it because it was my band. I was making decisions. I was sort of, I had a lot of creative control. And then I did the sideman thing for a little while. And that's just not my, not my deal. I just, I don't enjoy it. I don't creatively, I don't, I don't like it. Um, and I think it's fine for people who do and, and, it's just not for me. And I feel like I was in this weird spot where I didn't have my own thing and wasn't getting to be really creative and and didn't want to go and be a sideman. So I was sort of in this middle ground where I was just uninspired to do anything. Um, so, so now that all that being said, now uh, I just – I feel like I want to go and explore – some new creative things and like changing my setup and buying some new gear and, and not that you need new gear to, to get out of it, but like, Oh no, you absolutely do. (laughs) (laughs) Go buy gear. Go buy gear. I mean, actually like I'm, I'm making a joke, but like, you know, a new piece of gear that you're really in love with will really inspire you to spend more time. It will on the drum set. I was emailing with a, a student's, uh, mom recently today. And, and she was like, you know, could you talk to him about just practicing more regularly? Cause we got nothing to do and you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and I, I responded that I will talk to him, but, um, I'm going to send her another email and tell her like, if you can afford it, like grab him a new symbol, grab him a new snare drum or something like get him something that, you know, lights a fire under him. It's like, Oh yeah, I want to go play. Um, so never underestimate the power of <laughs> new well, toys right. or vintage or vintage. Toys. Yeah. <laughs> Well, for some of us who have gear that's just been collecting dust, it may be resurrecting that symbol yeah. or that old snare drum, put a new head on it and discover something about it or maybe a tuning or something that has uh, inspired us from a past guest and some of their creative uses. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, no, I, 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 I found that really um, enlightening, Nick, when you posted that. And I, I, I'm feeling uh, just a, a little out of sorts uh, the last year just as far as uh, my growth as a musician. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this whole situation that we're dealing with right now is forcing me to take a little bit of time and focus on what it is that I love about drums and not feel like I'm scrambling to learn songs for the next gig and trying to take care of myself physically in between playing and traveling so much, but just kind of take a break and rediscover that passion. Maybe not take a break the way you did, mm-hmm. but for me, this is like a big deal to not be playing a lot. Right. I'm, right. I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to it in, in a, in a, in a, in a more healthy way, have a more healthy relationship with my drums yeah. than I did before. The yeah. thing that I was going through a lot was if I would go and practice, I was like, what am I practicing for? And like, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm I'm not trying to get a gig with a songwriter or or I'm not trying to be in a backing band and I don't want to do weddings. And just so everyone's clear, I'm not saying all this like I'm above that or anything else. I did no. it for a long time and I just don't want to do it anymore and that's my right. you know that's my prerogative. Um and 
So I was sort of like, what am I doing it for? And then I think over this last year, getting creative inputs from different things, from different industries, from being around different people, all those sorts of things. Now for me, it's just creative expression. And that's why I want to play the drums. And that's, and whatever way I can do that, if I can put a trio together or something like that, and we can, and we can go and express ourselves creatively, I would much rather have a full-time job that pays my bills and I can just go play drums for total creative expression and right. just do that. And like, I would be totally fine with that. I would, I would no- be more than totally fine with that. I would be extremely happy to do that. Right. So in, in terms of that creative expression, I'm, I'm curious as to like how you're reentering the atmosphere. Um, because the, in, in the same way that you've been sort of disconnected from playing and the, mm-hmm. and the drums for a while, I have been uh, disconnected from jazz. Right. Like I was, I was so just immersed in it for so long, and and for the last few years, um, you know, I haven't been playing it, I haven't been listening to it, um, and over the last few months, I I've sort of intentionally just started re-entering that atmosphere, like putting it back into my listening rotation, um, and and practicing more. Um, but I'm, I'm being really careful and intentional about sort of what I let in, um, in terms of what I'm working on or what I'm listening to, because I think part of what made me turn away from it for a while was that, um, it was just kind of overwhelming or inaccessible, or I was like, if, you know, if I'm not going to be Brian blade, there's no point. Um, Mm. and, and what I realized is that I I don't want to be Brian blade. I want to be you know, Max Roach and Victor Lewis and Philly or Joe. Zach Albetta. Like that, isn't that the goal, right? Yeah. Yeah. But w- what I'm saying is just like the style of playing that, that speaks to me is the more like the simpler, more groove oriented, um, jazz playing, which, you know, in, in, in the jazz, uh, canon, there's tons of, mm-hmm. um, so I've been sort of intentional about, about, listening to that kind of stuff, practicing that kind of stuff and, and trying to kind of recarve a lane for myself in, in the jazz world, um, with that kind of playing, or, you know, obviously Bill Stewart is like one of my Mount Rushmore guys. Right. Um, but so in, in your reentry into drumming, like, are you being sort of careful and intentional about like what kinds of expression you want to pursue? Or is it just kind of diving back in anything and everything? Um, what's your approach? Uh, it's actually the complete opposite. So for me, there's, I'm not putting any restrictions on, on anything. So, um, I'm literally like, I'm a lot of times I'm walking into the practice room and I'm not even, I'm not even going in there with an agenda. Mm -hmm. I'm just sitting down behind the kit and I just, I just start playing. And sometimes it's, it's grooving. Sometimes it's me just making all sorts of noise and you know it sounds like a trash can falling down the steps and like it's just to me it's it's more of like just this raw emotion that i'm that i'm trying to express uh behind the kit and so what like i'm listening to i'm listening to a lot of uh a lot of stuff that i listened to when i really got into drumming so like it and it sounds crazy but i'm listening to Modesky, Martin, and Wood, but I'm also listening to Counting Crows, and I'm also listening yeah. to um, I'm listening to a lot more Fish, but not because of the drumming, more of the guitar playing, and like and trying to like steal some of those melodies and apply them around the kit. Uh, but I'm also 
listening to the way people talk and the way that you know the trees are making noise and 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 it seems all all really esoteric but i'm sort of like i opened up the the floodgates and i'm like just i just want everything coming in yeah and then i can pull pieces of of inspiration out of that like I one of my things back in the day that I always did like I always carp, uh, compartmentalize things. So I'd be like, mm-hmm. I'm working on rock, I'm working on funk, I'm working on jazz, mm-hmm. I'm working on the. And I think that it it hindered my my development for a long time. So I want to be cautious of not doing that. I'm not like I'm shedding funk now and I'm shedding jazz now. I'm like I'm just fucking playing music. Yeah, and that's it. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, I'm just well, express. It's- I'm just expressing myself. That's it. It's cool you mentioned that because in in my re-entry into jazz, um, like one of the things I'm I'm trying to be careful about is to apply the things I like about my playing in other types of music to how I play jazz. Mm. And I think that was one of the disconnects for me before, where you know there would be certain certain styles or certain um, situations where I felt really good about how I played and how that made me feel. And, and jazz wasn't doing that anymore. Right. Uh, because I, I just had too many voices in my head when I was playing jazz. So like, <laughs> when I'm, when I'm re-entering it now, I'm, I'm trying to approach it with just that same, um, uh, you know, like you, you mentioned, like be, be Zach Albetta, you know, just right. be, be like maintain the things that you like about your playing that you know, you're good at, you like make them show up in your jazz playing too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A producer friend of mine uh, talked about, you know, all these people say, oh, I need to practice. Like uh, when I was a kid, I practiced six, seven, eight hours a day. And he said, you know, when Eric Clapton was a kid, he didn't shed for eight hours a day. He listened to music. He hung out with friends. He lived life. It informed him on his approach to music and you know what he plays. He doesn't play like Yngwie Malmsteen, but guess who has a bigger following? Right. 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 Guess who connects with the audience? Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing that uh, you made me think about uh, a recent guest we had, uh, Kip Allen, a young 26-year-old drummer who's really great. Yeah, he was he was killing. Really g- creative, and he talks about finding his own voice. It's like we have our heroes. His hero, you know, not you know, has been like Steve Jordan, but more recently Aaron Sterling, as is for so many of us in his tone and his approach. But, you know, Kip is like, okay, I'm getting, I'm reaching a point in my life where I need to find my own voice. Yeah. I want to mm-hmm. sound more like Aaron Sterling, but I'm never going to sound like Aaron Sterling. I'm always going to sound like me. Where do I draw ins? I'm paraphrasing here, but sure. It, basically he's saying, you know, where do I draw inspiration from some of my heroes? But if I want to get hired and when I, if I want to work, uh, people need to hear me who, for who I am. Mm-hmm. And, uh, because he, he at, at this age, he already recognizes that Aaron Sterling is a, is in direct, he's in direct competition with Aaron Sterling, which seems like a mind blowing concept. Right. Right. But, but it, it's like, how can you think that? Like, Oh, the nerve, no, <laughs> no. but, but he's already worked with the same producers mm-hmm that Aaron's worked with. He's already been on some recordings that he shares. So I'm like, it can happen. And not uh, only that, like, sorry to interrupt you, but I tell people all yeah. the time, like, if you want these big pop gigs, okay, well, your competition is Brian Fraser Moore. Your competition is Lil John Roberts. Your competition is, is Aaron Spears. Like, 
Okay. Yeah. Are, can you, are, are you better? I mean, can you hang with those guys? If you can't, then you better get your shit together. Right. Well, I, I'm, on, I'm on a recording. Uh, Eddie Bears is on some of it, and I'm on that recording as well. Right. So, like, at what point – now, I can, can I do what Eddie Bears does? No, I can't, but what do I bring to the table, and how do I draw inspiration from these players, I, which I will continue to draw inspiration from? Yeah. But what what can you do? How do you spend your time in the practice? Where do you focus your attention that not only um, satisfies, scratches that itch, like like Nick, you're talking about, uh, you know, just kind of like exploring. And and Zach, you're talking about bringing in elements that you enjoy so that when you're playing, it feeds your soul, but is also a true expression of who you are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people are going to come out of the woodwork and be like, that's the guy I need for this record. That's the guy I need for this song. Mm-hmm. And and that's it. And and man, yeah, yeah. I, I was I was watching um, a Steve Gad video. Marcus Finney posted um, just a clip of you know one of Gad's solos. I think it was from one of the Burning for Buddy things because he's wearing the tuxedo and doing the whole thing. And you know it was like a minute long, and it was just it was just you know typical Gad. Like he did the you know thing, and and you know did some other stuff. None of which was really complicated but like he was just (laughs) he was just playing his ass off and like bouncing up and down on the throne and making faces and i commented to marcus i was like this is a good reminder that you don't have to do a lot you just have to mean it yeah like Mm -hmm. if if what you play like is what you truly mean um that's what comes through whether you sound like aaron sterling or eddie bayers or yourself or like Mm -hmm. if if you've done the work of like figuring out like this is what i want to play this is how i want to sound that comes through you know part of the part of the reason why i was sort of running away from drumming uh and it took me a little while to realize this but i and i've always said like i think that there's a difference between the drumming business and the music business and me I consider myself a musician and I just happen to play drums. Uh, and a lot of the stuff that I, that I see, and this isn't a knock because I think that, that I'm in the same category, but every, like, I just, everyone sounds the same. And I just look and it's just like, it's like some crazy pattern across over the drums. And it's like dynamics are at 13 and it's just like, and people are like, Oh my God, this is so amazing. And I'm like, this does nothing for me nothing and i think that i was seeing so much of that like Mm -hmm. i a lot of times i need to practice what i preach and get off social media but like i would see so much of that stuff that i was i'm just totally disinterested in it right Mm -hmm. it blows my mind and there's a place for it and if it gets people into playing drums i'm all i'm cool with it but there's a reason why when if i go on youtube i'm looking up you know, Steve Gadd, I'm looking up Steve Jordan, I'm looking up Billy Martin, I'm looking up Elvin Jones, I'm looking up all of these people who had their own voice and played musically. Like there's a there's a clip of Steve Jordan in I think it's in Forks or Bentley's, I can't remember which one. And he sits down to play and he gets another guy to come up and he's like, Oh, like someone from the audience. He's like, Why don't you come up and play with me? And you notice, like, they both sit down, and Steve starts playing, the other guy starts playing, and the other guy's like, doom, doom, ka, tsa, doom, doom, ka, ching, doom, ka, tsa, doom, doom, ta, ching, right? And Steve's just like, boom, <laughs> and, like, never does a fill, never, you know, never hits a cymbal, yeah. just, like, 
And it, because that's what Steve Jordan does. And for me, that's where a lot of, a lot of this, like, hatred's a strong word, but like a lot of this, uh, disdain for, for music and, and drumming was coming from because I was like, there's, there's, it's just not doing it for me anymore. There's yeah. just not enough. There, there, there's not enough creativity. And then, I was like, wait a minute, you can find all of this. You just got to go to the right places. But there's a reason why I think Aaron Sterling sticks out. There's a reason why Nate Smith sticks out. There's a reason why Nate Wood sticks out, right? And we could the list goes on. But like, there's a reason why guys like that stick out. And then like we can list one drummer and 50 other drummers underneath them and all of them sound the same. And they all have blazing chops and they could play circles around all three of us combined. But like, I... It just doesn't do it for me, and maybe yeah. I'm some old like no, you know, no, because, guy, uh, you, like, you, no, you make a distinction though between the the drumming business and the music business, and I think that's a really apt term because there are new ways for people to create and have it have an industry in playing chops and and doing all this stuff that get tons of likes and follows and endorsements within a drumming business, the drumming community. And, and, you know, that can be cool. And we've all gone down that rabbit hole, but, uh, there's also, we, you have to remind people there's another, there's a music business that when you go to work with a band or go to a session, you're not asked to do all that crazy stuff. Right. Like Mm -hmm. you see on Instagram, you're asked to lay it down. You're asked to be, to be sensitive to the music, to open your ears up. And sometimes do the simplest thing that you wouldn't even consider practicing, mm-hmm. you know, that just, just grooving with the click and you're like, man, I didn't do anything crazy on that song. And the producer's happy and the songwriter's happy and they've got three more sessions for you next month. Mm-hmm. Right. I also right. don't think that you, you know, I, I don't think that, let me rephrase this. I feel like a lot of times all the messaging out there is like, listen, you're a drummer. Just sit in the back, play time, groove. That's your job. And that, that's racist, man. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't talk to Zach. Talk to Zach about that. <laughs> but I and I I don't agree with that. You know, I I think that I think that you should have your own. Like, no one would ever say that Steve Gadd didn't have creative expression on every song that he played. Yeah. No, I think I uh, not to cut you off, but I I, no, I know what you're saying. I know where you're going with this. I think that even at the in the most simple stripped down groove, it's still your voice. Right. Because because keep in mind, not only are you bringing your time and your feel, you're also bringing your tone, your Mm -hmm. touch. And that's an element of of why or why not or why you get hired or why you don't get hired. Right. And I think you're absolutely right. I think um, like a stripped down groove has the potential to be even more your voice than, um, than a solo or chops or, or whatever. Um, Because there's, there's nothing to hide behind. There's no, like the more information you add to your playing, the more it covers up like who you really are and how you really sound. Right. Um, So playing a super stripped down groove, it's like, it's like, you know, when uh, professional chefs bring on, you know, apprentices or whatever, and they're like, make me an omelet. Like, don't make me your fanciest bullshit or whatever. Make me a fucking omelet and we'll see if you actually know what you're doing. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So, so uh, like, you know, 
getting in touch with how you sound and what you want to sound like playing those kind of stripped down things um, make producers and your fellow musicians, um, not necessarily your fellow drummers, but the people who actually give you work, um, you know, you can just sit down and play and the way you play that is going to make people with ears that matter take notice. Mm-hmm. Right? It's, it's, I look at it like, if you look at all anyone, I mean, all of us drummers are the same way. Like we're all contradictory, right? So if, you know, we talk about all that, we're like, oh man, like James Gadson on this tune is grooving his ass off or Gad or whoever, insert any, you know, amazing grooving drummer, right? We're like, oh man, that shit sounds so good. And then we get behind the kit and we're like, and it's like, no one, no one is inviting anyone over their house and like they're like oh everyone's like yo let's dance and you're like okay let me put on this like tony royster solo right <laughs> and hold, just to clarify like i did that wasn't a shot at tony i love tony like yeah, and his yeah. playing is amazing i'm not saying that but like or insert let me rephrase that no one's like oh everyone wants to dance let's put on this nine minute drum solo you know uh like this choppy drum solo it's just not so i think that's where like the disconnect is of like Everyone knows what they like and everyone knows what feels really, really good. And then we get behind the kit and we don't do that. It's like a, I look at it like a quarterback being at practice all day with a fishing rod casting. Like, what are you doing? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm practicing. It's like, well, yeah, but that's not the shit you're going to do in the game. Why? What are you, what are you doing here? <laughs> yeah. And I look yeah. at it that way. I don't know. I don't know why that is like, why we're so afraid of space and why we're like, why are we so afraid to just make it feel good? And it, that doesn't mean not play a lot of notes. You can play a shitload of notes and have it feel good too. But like, I, I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't know the, I, why our brains work that way. I think though there are there are really easy ways to to do that challenging that kind of feed our drumming brain and also help us like uh, Zach and I have been working on this master class and one of the things we talk about is uh, you know how to spend your time in the practice room mm-hmm. uh, going above and beyond what's required for the gig so like offsetting the click and playing on the ands or the e's or the us or the upbeat of a of a triplet uh, there's also uh, doing left hand lead. So, you know, those are things that I think feed our drumming brain without being chopsy, but, but kind of get us closer to how to create a really strong time feel Mm -hmm. at the same time. But uh, there, I also think there's a subcategory to this conversation, Nick, in that, uh, we, we are all kind of, what is our intent when we walk into the practice room and what are we looking to do? And, uh, so a lot of this has to do with how do we prepare ourselves to get hired as sidemen? Sure. You know, and so if, if, if your desire is to create your own band or, uh, do your own project, then some of this stuff may not apply. I mean, it's important to reach your audience, but maybe it's less about connecting with your audience than it is musicians that are potential employers. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and how do you approach drumming in that way? Like, this is my fucking band. I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm going to create this kind of music. And and my audience is going to be they're 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 going to love it or they're not. You know, I mean, I don't think I mean, certainly, 
you know, to use Rush as an example, and, you know, Neil, those, those guys weren't thinking, hmm, how are we going to get hired? You know, when I, when I play on this record, I want other you know, producers to hear me so they can hire me to play drums on. Neil's not, Neil never thought that. It's right. like they did their thing and they created their own audience. So, like, how do we do that? Mm-hmm. Well, they they made the music that they really wanted to make, and it resonated with people. Um, so I don't I don't think it's necessarily um, um, mutually exclusive. Uh, this this reminds me of um, right. years ago when I saw John Schofield play, and he did like a Q and A before the uh, before the concert. And to to me, John Schofield's playing and composition um, just like straddles the line between you know like because he'll he'll satisfy all the jazz heads and then he'll like his music also appeals to people who don't listen to jazz Mm -hmm. um because it's super accessible and a lot of it's super funky um so he pleases both of these camps and i asked him like is that intentional on your part do you look for that line do you like you know do you say oh this is too jazzy i gotta make it a little more accessible or or this is way too mainstream i gotta spice it up a little bit to satisfy the jazz heads and he said no i'd like i make the music that i want to make um i don't worry about who it's satisfying or who it's turning off and he said i i guess that you know just the music i want to make yeah you know happens to ride this line but you know don't don't worry about that line like if you're if you're making the music you want to make it will resonate with people mm-hmm. yeah i i would agree with that i i mean i think that's that's been demonstrated time and time again you know like unless like outside of the pop world i think that that's that's most of the that's most of the, like if you look at like you look at mark Giuliano, right like obviously an amazing drummer uh the stuff that he plays is you know a lot of the stuff is is pretty out right mm-hmm. and not super accessible like from a from a pop perspective and when i say pop i mean just popular not like not like you know justin bieber pop but right uh but he has a he has an audience right he has a great audience and he's he's the same way you know he's like i would i i asked him i said would you rather if you had the choice between playing full-time and having to do some stuff that you didn't really want to play or having a having being able to play everything that you wanted to play but you would have to like go get a day job to do that he's like day job any day of the week yeah you know he's like artistic expression he's like that's all i care about and Mm -hmm. so um but just you know agreeing with your point that like if the music's good and you're i don't even know if the music has to be good i mean if as long as if you're making the music (laughs) that you want to make and you're making the music that you want to make well then I think that you can find an audience for it for sure. Right. And Mark Juliana didn't, didn't acquire, um, you know, that, that, uh, his, his style of playing, um, cynically saying like, I'm going to develop all these chops and all this crazy shit, um, and, and be a drum hero. Like that's the music that really comes out of him. Right. You know, the kind of player he is, is not stripped down or simple or sparse. Mm -hmm. Like it's active. It's like, there's a lot of shit going on in his head and it all comes out. Yeah. You know, that's really who he is. Yep. Um, and that's why he's resonated with so many people because he means it. Yeah. And you can tell that he's not, he's not up there. He's not faking it. Right. You know, like when you watch him play, like when he's spazzing out behind the kit, like that's real. That is raw emotion that he's feeling. He's not like, let me play, you know, this pattern that I worked on in my shed and I'm going right. to copy it and paste it into this performance right now. 
Yeah. You know, and I think that's the that's the difference between a Mark Juliana versus because you know, there's plenty of people who have far better chops than Mark. Right? Yeah. But like yeah. I don't know. Expressing it as creatively and, and you know, as as he does. I think that's because he means it. Everyone else is like, I bet everyone else, everyone's going to love this choppy thing that I'm doing. Right. You know. Have you seen the new Promark Select Balance? So Select Balance gives the drummers the ability to fine-tune a standard stick model to fit their playing style. Let me give an example. If you play rock or country or metal, then you can use the Promark Forward Balance. It gives you enhanced power and speed. But if you play jazz and funk and gospel, then you can use the Rebound Balance, and it gives you rear-weighted balance to give you better finesse and more agility. The best part is they're made by Promark. They control the entire process from the forest to the finished drumstick, which means you get unmatched level of quality and consistency. Plus, they're always paired by weight and by pitch, so you know that there is zero guesswork when you're grabbing that stick out of your bag. Check them out by going to promark.com. I've been checking out the new Sonar SQ-1 kits, and they are sick. You know who else thinks they're sick? Chris Coleman. I'll let him take it from here. When I hear something inside of me, I have to get it out. I have to get the sound that's within me out. Whatever I'm feeling in the moment, I go for it. And I may create something fresh and new for me. Something I may change about it, something I may not. I'm just going with the flow. Sonar's done it. SQ1, my Sonar drums. Check them out. You dig them. I have a feeling uh, a lot of us are going to find out what it's like to have a day job. Yeah. Drums yeah. on the side in the, uh, you know, I've already uh, taken steps towards that as far as, you know, doing some uh, Uber Eats and, you mm-hmm. know, stuff like that. Just yeah. anticipating, just not knowing what the future is, not to bring it back. So, <laughs> both yeah, the, man. well, I think we always talk about like where we're at right now and, and like where our head is at. Uh, and because I, I want to ask both of you guys because uh, I'm in a position now where you know obviously my money is not coming from from playing anymore where it was heavily a couple years ago. So I'm interested to know like what what's your thought process and like would you guys take a day job? Like I look at Uber Eats or something like that as sure it's a day gig, but it's sort of a flexible freelance kind of yeah. thing, right? It is. Um, uh-huh. Like, would you guys? what are you guys thinking and and would you go out and and get like a full-time day gig and like play at night or or whatever i'd be interested to hear what both of you guys say well i can speak for myself that right now uh there's a lot of there's a so many musicians in town that are trying to find creative ways to earn money so i'm trying Mm -hmm. to see what's going on with that like i said the live streaming that's going to bring in some some income not to the degree that it was before but still uh, and then also just taking baby steps, being and being proactive, mm-hmm. but not setting it all, not not putting it all playing aside. You know, I, right. I, I, we're we're I think we're all hoping that this 
we get through this quick, uh, as quick as possible, but I'm trying to be realistic. I, I have, I have a family to, to take care of. Mm-hmm. Uh, so man, you know, I, I'm, I'm doing the, um, what is it? Grubhub. That's right. What I, I, yeah. I've, I've, I've gone through the process to get the background check and apply online. I have, I just need to take a few more steps to complete that. Mm-hmm. That I started yesterday. All those skeletons are going to come out of the closet, Matt. Background <laughs> check. Oh, I know. I hope you, I hope you guys don't mind. I put your yeah. names down. As <laughs> oh, you're fucked. No, you can. Uh, like, we once, we once killed a guy in Utah, but I don't think that should matter. <laughs> Thank God it was Utah. That's okay. Right. <laughs> no, you, uh, you can be trusted to play the drums. You cannot be trusted with people's food. Right, right. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to to make light of the of the situation. No, no, I mean so so that's that's where I'm at. But you know, and then you know, I was I, I saw my friend Mike yesterday, who's got a full time gig, and they're producing videos and doing all this stuff. I said, you you don't need an assistant, do you? And he looked at me. He's like, well, and so I mean, I, again, I, I've I've always said if I don't play music full time, it doesn't matter mm-hmm. how long play drums in some capacity and this is really testing uh my resolve with mm-hmm. that yeah. yeah so let me so as part of this question i'm gonna i'm gonna ask zach the same exact questions but so for you uh if based on the conversation we were just having would you rather be in a position where you could work full-time and play only the music that you want to play or would you rather play full time play some of the music that you would like to play but then also do some other gigs that maybe you don't necessarily want to do but they pay the bills well uh, Zach probably knows this about me I've done that for a very long time mm-hmm. I, i've I've always been more interested in working as a full-time musician mm-hmm. than pursuing a more artistic pursuit I find joy in uh, in allowing my voice to speak for me within what others would see as a confined situation, uh, playing playing styles of music that maybe a lot of people wouldn't consider, you know, like a drummer's world. Mm-hmm. So like country music or playing groups that do mostly covers uh, or work with songwriters that aren't, it's not super challenging. So, I mean, I, mean, I, I really enjoy the creative process with, within that and where I can express. So it's never been an issue for me. Um, so I'm I'm very open about that, mm-hmm. and that's that's a that is a path that a lot of uh, musicians decide to take, and and that's fine. I mean, mm-hmm. I've been in original projects that definitely feed my soul, and I still dabble in that, but that's not what keeps me busy. The, the, yeah, the the other thing I think that 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 I see a lot of people doing is they're posting things on Instagram and they're posting things on social media and say, hey, I'm ready to do any home recording and and that's great but everybody's in that position now right right so yep. how do you differentiate yourself mm-hmm. from the pack um i'm starting to do the same thing i'm not going to wait around uh but uh one of the things that i'm doing is i'm 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 not going to do the drum set thing right away i'm doing percussion mm-hmm. oh cool and, and i'm gonna i'm gonna you know i'm taking a page from again kip allen's playbook he posts tons of great instagram videos short videos and people are like oh this sounds great you do that at home cool not covers not full-length things not chops not over-the-top drumming just good grooves 
good recordings. This is what I do at home. 30, 40 second clips and musicians around the world see that and go, I need that on my record. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. That, that's been a big takeaway for me of one of our, I wanted to ask you guys kind of some of your guests. That's a, maybe another subject we can get into is just some recent guests that we've had that have been inspiring. Yeah. But that's, yeah. that's, that's what I'm doing. I mean, like as, when we're done here, I'm going to be in the practice room a little bit and then I'm going to get the more percussion out and do some more recording mm-hmm. and, um, and then post it and just kind of see, and man, I got a response within 20, less than 24 hours on a tambourine video that I posted. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's so, awesome. And I love this played- because there's all like, there's, you know, there's all different perspectives here. So, so Zach, what about you? Where, what's your, what's your thought process right now? And, and what are you, you know, like, where are you at with everything oh, right now? Oh, shit. <laughs> well, first I want to say that, Matt, you played the shit out of that tambourine, buddy. Thank you, sir. <laughs> uh, it's called a, it's called a tambo. Uh, yeah. You tamboed so hard. No, it sounded, <laughs> it sounded great, man. It was great. Um, so our position is, I mean, my, my wife works from home, um, and her job really hasn't changed a whole hell of a lot, right. uh, in the last couple of weeks and hopefully won't change. Um, she uh, she works for a firm that does um, marketing and branding for private schools, and there's obviously no classes going on right now. But a lot of schools are taking this opportunity to to get their uh, you know <laughs> to get their marketing and branding together. Right. Um, I uh, I mean, as far as you know, taking another job or a full time gig, like it it may very well come to that. And mm-hmm. and you know, we've talked about that. Amazon is hiring a, a ton of people. It looks like. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, uh, I was thinking about this today and yesterday, um, over the last year or more, I've been doing, um, a lot of teaching about 30 students a week. And up until a couple weeks ago, my focus was on doing more legwork, um, to get more gigs, better gigs, um, so that I could step away from teaching, um, because, you know, I, I like teaching more than I used to, but it's, it's still not my favorite thing. I would much mm-hmm. rather be playing on any given day. Um, so for the last year or two, you know, my, my income and my time has been kind of maybe not 50, 50, but, uh, like maybe 60, 40 playing to teaching. Um, so the place where I teach is, uh, is this great spot called guitar shed here in Atlanta. It's kind of an independent school of rock type place. Mm -hmm. And more than half of my students, um, have switched to Skype. Um, and the people that run that, uh, that company have been super helpful in just, you know, facilitating, communicating with parents, just getting all the students and teachers switched over to virtual lessons. So, you know, this, this thing that I've been focused on trying to get out of (laughs) for the last two years, uh, has ended up providing me with a little bit of stability, a little Mm -hmm. bit for the foreseeable future. Um, so, uh, so there's that, um, my church gig that I've been doing every Sunday has been switching to live streaming. So we're just, we're going in to an empty church and live streaming a service and staying six feet away from each other. Um, so that income is still there. Um, but, uh, you know, depending on how long this goes, um, and, and what kind of assistance 
the government is willing to give people over the long haul. I could, mm-hmm. I could definitely be, um, in, in that very same situation soon of just like looking around and saying like, okay, what job is there to do? Like, right. Right. <laughs> can I and join th- a I'm guessing you're thinking like on a temporary basis, right? Until Sorry? sort of like, I'm guessing you're, you're thinking as on a temporary basis until the smoke clears. Yeah, but you know, you never know. I mean, this this could be a grand reshuffling of uh, of the music industry, um, and uh, you know, some some people like like me and Matt who uh, were you know made our income just playing before. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the other side of this, a year or two from now, we you know our income, our life might look uh, a lot different as far as the ratio of, you know, playing to teaching or playing to, you know, driving a truck or something. Right. <laughs> you yeah, know. it's true. If, if this all goes away tomorrow, it, it could, it could change profoundly change the way things have been being done. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it's weird to think about like, you know, in, in years past, I would kind of imagine this, you know, I, I wouldn't go as far as to say as this is a, a post-apocalyptic situation, but, you know, some situation in which, you know, humanity is disconnected, uh, you know, music isn't really a thing anymore <laughs> um, in, in the way that it was before. And, and that's extreme language. We're a very long way from that because right. music is definitely still a thing. But um, yeah, like here here we are. We, we find ourselves in this situation where, you know, the thing not only the thing that we made our living doing, but the thing that we identify ourselves with, um, is kind of on pause or at least, you know, very, very different than it was two weeks ago. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I'm, you know, long story short, I'm, I'm very open and ready and willing to do whatever needs doing to, uh, to make some money when, when we need it. There you go. Yeah, I saw, I saw a post from uh, Nick Buda. It said, uh, "Your grandparents were called to war. You were called to sit on the couch. You can do this." I think we can. Yeah, I think we <laughs> yeah. can get through it. There it is. There it is. <laughs> yeah. I've been training my whole life for this. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, you know, uh, on the uh, on the subject of kind of what we were doing before this. Um, I was in the process of getting my room together here, um, trying to do some home tracking. Um, and this, uh, this is a, you know, a great excuse to, to really dig into that. I'm not going to have, I'm not going to have the resources necessarily to put into it that I was in terms of, you know, buying some mics and, and interfaces and, um, and whatever else. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, it's it's on my list today to contact a couple of friends of mine and just say, Hey man, can I borrow some mics and just bring them to my house and start messing with stuff, you know, just hibernate, learning how to use that stuff. Nice. Um, so, uh, so hopefully, you know, by the time, like you said, the smoke clears from this, um, I'll be in a, a much closer position to, to being able to just set up shop like, pretty much like everyone else. And then I'm, I'm, I'm faced with the, you know, the question that you guys mentioned of like, how do you differentiate yourself right. um, in that environment? Um, but uh, I'm looking at, I'm looking at this as, as an opportunity to, uh, to dig into that process. And I'm, I'm experiencing so much of what, like you mentioned um, interviews that it inspired us. And this is an old interview that we did a couple years ago, but um, I always remember the interview that you did, Matt, with Hubert Payne um, mm-hmm. talking about, 
talking about when he first started putting his room together and working on home tracking, he was like, I didn't know anything. I didn't have anything. He was like, I started, I started with an SM 57 and just started learning how to use that, <laughs> you know, yeah. in garage yeah. band. Um, and that started the process for him. So I'm, I'm, you know, basically, basically there just at the beginning of this long process of learning this stuff and figuring out how you're going to do it in your room. Um, so it's uh, it's a little bit daunting, um, but it's it's exciting and well, um, and it seems much more doable now that I have all this time. <laughs> well, not only that, but I think we're we're also have our podcasting recording experience that, you know, uh, you know, Nick, you've been doing longer than we have. But like when I first started, man, I, I didn't know what I was doing. And so yeah. I neither, feel like that. Has, neither did I. That is but I mean that 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 has helped me in it, it transferring that information that I've learned about editing and using a DAW in the in the production of the podcast uh, and using those uh, tools. Of course, I. But to your point, Zach, I th I think that a lot of us don't spend the time that we need to watch the YouTube videos to really take the time to understand compression and EQ and all these things and mic placement because it just seems our time is so limited because we have to practice for the gig or learn this song or make sure that, you know, we're getting time with our family or spouses and, and whatever. And so there's so much on our plate. This might be uh, one of the things I, I wrote down in, in preparation for our conversation. It's like, what might be some of the good things, the positive things we can take from this? Mm -hmm. um, my wife, and I sat down with our two boys and had a family meeting and she made a list of things that we want to do during this she, downtime. She posted it. I saw it. That was great, man. Yeah. Uh, and, and one of the things that we added to the list was just really find something positive, keep our spirits up and, and come away from this as just not letting it like overwhelm us mentally and physically and spiritually. Like, what can we finally do with with our time that we weren't able to do? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's an, um, it's an interesting time because it makes people, I believe it makes people go back and do the things that they always love to do, but they always, quote unquote, didn't have time to do. Yeah. You know, yeah. like I, I bet, you know, people are reading more and people are, yes. are you know, are per maybe making more music or practicing more or, or you know, whatever, writing more or whatever it is. Right. You know, I think that people are saying, oh, I forgot how much I love to do this because, you know, because I stopped because I had to bring Johnny to soccer practice and I had this other thing going on and I was working late and then I had to go to this meeting and then I had this thing and that thing. And all those things are, are, are off the, uh, are off the table for right now. It reminds me of, of the, you know, Mark Cuban, the, uh, yeah. You guys know who he is. Uh, he, uh, I don't. He's, he's, he's made sure we know who he is. <laughs> Mark Cuban <laughs> is a uh, he owns the Dallas Mavericks. But uh, but one of the things I, I remember him saying is like, don't follow your passion, follow your effort. So like, what is the thing that when you have free time, what is the thing that you go and do? Like, do you you know do you read? Do you write? Do you go on on YouTube and watch videos about airplanes? which is something that I may or may not do. Um, but, <laughs> but, uh, so he's like, you know, those are the things that, that you really love and you should try to move into those, into those things or at least spend more time doing that. So like now when everyone has all this free time, 
what do they find themselves doing? Take television off the table, right? Like, what do you find yourself doing? I think that that that's a very eye-opening thing to to let you know what you what it is that you really love. Right. Right. Yeah. Can you imagine the can you imagine like the songs and the records that are going to come out of this yeah. season? Like and the ba- people and are the, ba- the, and babies. the babies. Yeah. <laughs> right, the uh the coronials. <laughs> oh man. Uh, there you go, man. Did you make that uh, up or did you read it somewhere? No, I I stole it from somewhere. Uh, I can't remember. Um, I but I mean, it, this is like going to be an intense period of incubation, uh, for, for a lot of stuff. Um, and mm-hmm. I think, you know, the, the three of us individually have, have stuff that we want to work on and, and, oh yeah, he's got a guitar. Look at him. There you go. No, Look it's not out. Mine. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just, you know, whether it's, whether it's a new skill or diving deeper into something you love or, or both, um, I think this is going to be a time for, for all of us to, uh, I, I think a lot of us are going to come out of this time with, a, a clearer sense of who we are as musicians and what we want to do as musicians. Um, instead of, uh, you know, like, like me and Matt, I think in the last couple of years, we're kind of in the same boat, just getting caught up in, um, the assembly line of gigs you know, learn this set of songs, do the gig, learn this set of songs, do the gig, do, do the session, learn this set of songs, go to the rehearsal, do the thing, you know, and it feels great to work. It feels great to, um, you know, I, I always talk about this uh, kind of like blue collar work ethic mm-hmm. that I like about being a gig and musician. Um, but, you know, it, it gives us a chance to really step back and uh, not only think about what we want the next chapter of our careers to look like after this, um, but like really actually work on it, like take steps towards yeah. it. Cause you can, you can think about it, but if most of your time is taken up, you know, by the, the regular gigs and the daily life and all the adulting shit, uh, that we all have to do, it's hard to actually just stop and put some effort into something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're all stopped now. <laughs> yeah. Well, here we are. I think we're going to, we're going to be asking ourselves some some tough questions, and uh, and it's it's that's that's maybe going to be one of the positives of all this. It's going to really force us to evaluate what it is that we're doing. Yeah, mm-hmm. and we're spending our time. I agree. Yeah. Well, cool guys. Anything else? Yeah. Anybody want to want to touch on? Anybody I mean, t- watching something on being binge watching anything that we have note. Yeah, I'm not a TV guy, so I'm going to defer to Zach on that. Yeah, no, like all of the 28 hours in Nick's day are already taken up. (laughs) (laughs) I just don't watch TV. It's just no. Some people, some people don't, and I wish I was one of those people. I don't, and I'm not like (laughs) this. Isn't me standing on a high like I grew up like my parents don't really watch TV. Like they watch the news and and whatever, but like I just didn't. I didn't grow up in a household where we watch TV a lot. So now, like if my wife. My wife always has it on like in the background, but if, if, uh, um, like if she goes away, I won't, I just, I won't turn the TV on. I just don't. Yeah. I just I, don't I even, I don't even that, think to turn it on. I'm just, well, you, you never got in the habit of watching TV because your parents were always like, go to the restaurant and wash dishes and fold napkins. And <laughs> that is a, that is a true story. I, I started work. I used to have to leave little league practice to go to work. And I think, I think Bob's burgers is based on Nick's life. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but see exactly. <laughs> but I used to have to stand on a milk crate 
and wash dishes because I couldn't reach the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the sink. He was Louise. He was Still Louise. Milk crate. Come on. What's that? Uh, <laughs> you too? Man, good thing I'm not I'm not self-conscious about my height. <laughs> couldn't care less. People are like, does it bother you? I'm like, not even in the least. I'm like, uh, I don't, it doesn't, I never even think about it. Good, good. And nobody asked me to grab shit that's like, I'm like, no, nope, sorry, man. I can't, can't help you. Oh, I've had strangers ask me to grab shit at the store. Like, yeah. see me standing there and they're like, holy shit. Oh, can you reach this? How, t- how tall are you? <laughs> I'm 6'5 if I stand up straight. Got you. I'm 5'7 if the humidity is right. Oh, <laughs> God. I never feel short until I saw I saw Zach last week and he came. I'm like, man, you are I, just I forget how tall you are, man. How tall are you, Matt? <laughs> I'm six two. Yeah, oh wow, that's no slouch. Oh, I'll slouch. Wow. Yeah, I know, I know. Anyway, so back to the the TV thing, Nick. You can you can mute this. Um, <laughs> uh, we're we're watching uh, this Netflix show called Sex Education. Um, that's oh, yeah, about. A high school kid in England whose mom is a is a sex therapist. Um, it's hilarious and awesome and amazing. Um, I just got into the marvelous Mrs. Maisel on Amazon. Um, I'd imagine that uh, the next season of uh, The Handmaid's Tale is is going to be forthcoming soon. Um, and uh, The Crown on Netflix. Like we're really into a lot of British stuff, like Sex Education and The Crown. Um, so uh so yeah that's that's well, super what I chill got. super chill british show uh the detectorists <laughs> i have not uh, heard of that. okay yeah it's some recognizable people in that show including one of the guys from the bbc version of the office helped create it and it's about these two guys and their metal detectorists and it <laughs> seems the weirdest thing but i tell you what man it is so well written and so well done i've there's only two seasons, you know, as the British, as the English do, they keep it short. Mm-hmm. So I think there's three seasons and, uh, I've watched it twice. Cool. It's amazing. It's, it's so chill and man, you'll forget everything. It's so good. Cool. Oh, I do have one. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I mentioned my, so my, my wife watches it's called television. the Simpsons. It's yeah. around. <laughs> I, full disclosure, I will, I'll once in a while, I'll sit down and uh like i'll eat lunch or whatever at my house and i'll turn on hulu and i'll put on like a seinfeld rerun oh yeah sure but then yeah. it's like if I'm, if I'm done eating in 10 minutes then i just turn it off so i don't watch the whole episode it's just right like, you don't you don't have to that's yeah that's, that's the, the point of, of that show like you can watch five minutes of it or you yeah. can watch eight episodes of it and it's you know <laughs> it's amazing in a way um <laughs> yeah. so uh every night when we go to bed like my wife likes to watch like 20 minutes of television and you know, before we go to bed. And so she would always put on like these, these like true crime shows or whatever, but my wife does the same thing. But here's the thing. We watch 20 minutes of it and then you never know what happened. So I've seen like a hundred of these episodes where I don't know what happened. Right. Cause we only watch 20 (laughs) minutes of it and it's an hour long thing. So I've no, so I'm like, we can't do this anymore. So we started watching Shit's Creek. Uh, Oh yeah. 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 Have you guys watched that? Yeah. I think it's I think it's hilarious. Then again, I don't really watch television, so I'm like, oh, this is what this is a television show, and it's it gets it's better. It's Canadian, yeah. So I like it. Yeah, uh, I think it's, it's funny. pretty chill, and it gets better. The writing gets better over time, and yeah, yeah. I think it's pretty. So we'll lay in bed and like because the episodes were were original or originally on network television, 
So they're only like 20 minutes because of commercials and everything. So it's the perfect, like you get in, you know, like watch one episode and then I'm like, all right, lights out. So cool. I got, I got one more, which is, uh, it's an old one, but we're on our third or fourth time through watching, uh, the West wing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That show is, I mean, if, if, if you want some, some hope, about you know how we want government to work and how we want people in government to uh, behave. You know, it's not idealistic. They're not. They're not perfect characters. They're all very flawed. But um, it's just brilliant writing by Aaron Sorkin. And you know, you you come away from every episode being like, man, that's that's how it should be. <laughs> yeah, I think I might rewatch The Wire. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and 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 if you don't know it, uh, uh, look up. There's a podcast uh, that follows every episode of The West Wing. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> Did Why you don't see I know Zach's eyes light up? <laughs> 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 no, you I, basically uh, like you were you were like, hey, I have a uh, I have a superphonic that I'm gonna just send to you. <laughs> like that's basically what you did. He was like, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I need to start watching it. What's the uh, name of the podcast? Uh, you know what? Because I've never really watched the show, but people are just like, "Oh my gosh, you got to watch the blah blah blah!" And then oh, I save the link to the podcast, and it is called The West Wing Weekly. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll check that out for sure. I'm sending you a link oh. right now. Cool. Well, right on, guys. You know, up until uh, a couple of weeks ago, this was this was going to be kind of our regular check-in about where we're at uh, in our careers and what our goals for the next year is, and and uh, et cetera. And it it was that, but uh, <laughs> just <laughs> under a, a, against a very different backdrop than than we thought it was going to be. So uh, hopefully, we can do this next spring, and uh, we'll all be back on track with. Uh, the things that that we were hoping to work on before two weeks ago, or maybe some you know completely new stuff that's uh, developed since then. Yeah, and hey, let's look at the bright side. We, at least we have this technology to be able to do this. You know. Yeah, 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 me. yeah. I've got interviews coming up. It's going to be over the phone for sure. Yeah. Yep. Cool. All right, dudes. Good to see you, man. Well, good, good deal, to see guys. You Stay safe. Be well. Wash, Wash your hands. Your hand like a mother. Wash your hands. Like a motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Yeah. I'll talk to you soon. Hey. All right, take, take it easy. Bye. There you have it. Again, I hope that you got some insight. I got, hope you got some inspiration. I got, hope you got some motivation, some ideas, some different things that you can do. And uh, I'm always interested to see what everyone else is doing too. So let me know what you're doing to sort of combat what's going on now, how you're still making money, or, or have you decided to go do other things to make money in the meantime. Uh, keep me posted. I think I'm actually going to do a podcast about that as well. So you can just email me, nick at drummersresource.com, or hit me up on any of the socials. Let me know. And until the next podcast, please stay safe, stay inside, uh, take care of your friends, take care of your loved ones, and I'll be talking to you soon. Peace. Drummer's Resource is produced by Revoice Media. Executive producer Nick Ruffini, that's me. Edited by Justin Thomas. Video editing by Tomas Shannon and graphic design by Catherine Wade. For more music and entertainment podcasts, be sure to check out revoicemedia.com.